Keep talking, bucko. Pretty soon I'm going to have you right where I want you. Citizen X Radio. Every time you violate or propose to violate the free speech of someone else, you in potentia, you're making a rod for your own back. Citizen X Radio. Greetings, citizens, and welcome to Citizen X Radio. It's a new year and a new project. This podcast, along with its theme tune, my website, citizenx.tv, and for numerous other ideas, corrections, and other textual, audio, and visual flourishes on my YouTube channel, could not and would not exist without support and indeed the encouragement of my partner in crime, enabling chief of all things Gigabyte, Moral Compass, and above all my friend Jack, who will be presenting this show with me, playing devil's advocate, and hopefully will be helping to really get into the bones of the issues of the day that concern us both. And he's here now. So how are you doing, mate? I'm good, man. Good. Thank you very much. I mean, my headphones feel like they're about to break with such a brilliant introduction. I feel like my head has grown a few full three sizes or so. But yeah, no, really good. I really appreciate the uh, the kind words and hopefully it won't go to my head too much. How are you? Well, <laughs> it, it, I'm all right, man. Yeah, I'm mm. all right, man. Um, so, uh, yeah. So thanks for getting this all uh, sorted for me. And yeah, well, it all up and running. We, we got there just about at the end of the day. I mean... Um, the old technology and whatnot, I can say that it's, it's always a bit of a bugger to get sorted out, but we got it in the end, and that's all, that's all that matters at the end of the day. So we, we're doing this remotely from via the wonders of Skype and microphones, and yeah, yeah, no, it's all good. I'm, re- I'm looking forward to it. Well, you, you got it done in about a, a thousandth of the time that I would have managed, actually, so that's handy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> at, least, at least one of us is uh, clued up in that, in that regard. Yeah. So... Uh, where would you like to start? Guess what the first topic might be. <laughs> well, I mean, this is probably a good place for us to start because we've known each other for a few years now. and we, we see eye to eye on quite a few things, especially when it comes to, you know, <clears throat> ethical concerns. Like, I mean, our moral compasses are pretty much the same in, in, in terms of what we find repugnant and what we find, you know, acceptable or even to be praised. Um, it's just the way that you get to these places can often be different between us and our views. So I am, I am what is the, probably known as a, a reluctant Remainer. And uh, in terms of sort of Brexit in a whole, I'm very, very sensitive to the issues of the Leave campaign, but yeah. I'm, uh, I'm, I'm probably still on the Remain side of things. So I thought maybe a good place to go would be to maybe examine our differences in view, maybe find out where we can meet in the middle ground and uh, and really get to understand the reasons. And as I said before, I'm not, um, I haven't put blue paint on my face with some stars around it. I'm not going to mm-hmm. marches and whatnot. I haven't tattooed the EU stars on, on, on my wrist. I, I am a reluctant Remainer to say it the best. Yeah. So, so I'm not going to, and, 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 and conversely, I don't, I don't think you have a St. George's flag painted on your face. And, you know, <laughs> we're, um, yeah. I think, I, I, I don't really know how, how Brexiteer you are, but I can tell you that, as I said before, I'm, I'm, 
I'm a fairly reluctant Remainer. So, I, I mean, I'd like to, yeah, it'd be good to chat about exactly why that is and, and, and explain. For, because I've seen a lot of um, vitriol on your yeah. most recent oh, yeah. channel. Yeah, yeah, you know, from both sides. And I think to actually cast a line between two people who disagree on an issue is it's got to be beneficial especially if we can do it in a civil way and Indeed. yeah what i've what i've seen what i tend to notice is that the conversation is incredibly bogged down by anger at the other side so you know the one of the things i and i and i did that horrible thing where i went through the youtube comments but one of the one of the pervasive themes seemed to be just hate for lack of a better word and and, and a real unwillingness to listen to the other side and and i mean i'm by no means an expert on many things or anything really i'm hardly an expert anything i'm just a bloke and i just have what i think is is the right idea so i'm not claiming to be an expert in any way but i i'm always very interested to hear exactly what someone else because the common narrative i feel is sort of dominated by Immigration for the leave side, really. Uh, sovereignty, you don't really hear much of. You hear a bit of sovereignty, but I don't think mm. that's fully where where the, the, the mainstream conversation is. is. Is immigration, which I'm, again, sensitive to. And on, on the left, it seems to be economy and anti-people wanting to enforce immigration. So, I mean, just, I mean I'd, I'd love to know exactly where, where you stood before the referendum and after the referendum and, and your thought process behind that. Well, yeah, I mean, I've, I was never, uh, I was never really a, a flag waver for the European Union, um, and it's, it's not necessarily anything to do with being anti the anti European, because you know when I was, when I first started to become conscious of things of the of the whole scenario, I wasn't, you know, I wasn't particularly knowledgeable. I mean, not that I'm especially knowledgeable now, but. It was more of a. Um, I had the feeling, and this is. It seems, you know, not something you can put your finger on particularly, but it was just a um, more of a, an emotional reaction of of just being wanting uh, to be British. And I always thought that the more European that I was, the less British I am. Now that's not a. That's a, those were my first thoughts about it when I first started becoming conscious of the idea of. The European Union, um, and then that matured that matured over the years, and I began to appreciate a more neutral viewpoint about it. And there were advantages and disadvantages, but I've always been, um, I'd say, a, a mild dissenter of the of the whole project, really. And as it came up to the, and of course, once the, um, uh, I mean, I was very concerned in 1992 with the Maastricht Treaty and I I'm one of those sad individuals who read quite a lot of the Maastricht Treaty you know, well I'm, I'm one of the I'm one of those individuals who was three years old at that time so I would yeah, need, well, there you go. You, yeah. I would love it I'd love a history lesson right now <laughs> to be honest um, well it was uh, that you see then it was uh and I think it still is now uh, you know it's chiefly about sovereignty you know and it was this idea that we are handing over I don't want to. I don't want to talk in slogans, you know. I don't want to talk in talking about taking back control. But it did seem as if we were handing control over to someone else, which to me seemed 
just a bit odd. Yeah, I mean, you know, can you can you explain would... what the what the uh, exact? Obviously, you don't have to be hundred percent exact, but on, this treaty is news to me, and as I said, it's quite important. I'd like to have said that I've read both sides of the argument, but if there's a treaty that I've not even heard of, um, it probably doesn't do wonders for my credibility on this being able to speak. Well, to I mean, neither. I mean, I, I'd struggle to tell you the, the nuts and bolts of it now, to be honest. But mm-hmm. it was, it seemed to be at about the time there, there was a, a sea change in. Um, a surrender of sovereignty at that point. And it was res- resisted heavily at the time. Um, and one of the things that I think came out of it was the... the this, now, this isn't a brilliant thing, really, but it was one... We managed to gain an opt-out. Um, and one of the opt-outs, which was something we can discuss um, whether or not this is a good or bad thing, was what they called uh, the social chapter, I believe. And it what, was... Sorry? The social chapter. The social chapter, it, okay. It was about, um, well, you know, really starkly speaking, it was about workers' rights. And, you know, Britain being a very free market country was, and less socialist inclined, less mm-hmm. than the other European countries, it was something that John Major managed to negotiate an opt-out for. Mm-hmm. Um, but there was plenty of other things. Um, but it also seemed to be at the time where the Europeans started talking about ever closer union. Mm-hmm. Um, and on, it may even have been when it ceased to become the EEC, the European Economic Community, mm-hmm. i.e. a trading bloc, and what was called the common market originally in the in the 60s and 70s, um, which is just what it says on the tin, was just mm-hmm. supposed to be yeah. a common marketplace for goods and services. And it became something else. Mm. And it became, and then it was a flag was gained, and then there was an anthem, and those sorts of things. I didn't know there was an anthem. Well, there is an anthem. Yeah, I think it's. Uh, I think it's called "Ode to Joy." It's a it's a classical piece. I'm not really quite sure, but it does. Oh, have okay. A I was going to say, wonder what you'd find a lot about which which country has the biggest sway by depending on what language that was in. Well, yeah. yeah. It could be very egalitarian if they if they really cared about that stuff and would uh, have a chapter a verse in each each of the member states' languages. Although it would take quite a while to get through it that, would, I imagine. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Certainly, yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, so that was when I began to start becoming quite suspicious of it, as if it was something. Um, I'm kind of overegging the pudding here, but it began to seem less less inclusive and more like it was building its own empire. That's how I began to feel about it. And then there was, you know, there's never been any lack of discussion about the European Union. Of course, then the the referendum was announced. Um, And I was in two minds because I, I, you know, I I did appreciate and still do appreciate there's an awful lot of good about the European Union. And one of the things is the aforementioned social chapter, which we opted out of, which you know, is one. If if we had to opt out of anything, I probably wouldn't have chosen that. Um, so I've always known that there's good things about the, the European Union as well as bad things. Um, but I just thought that the world is heading in a certain direction, and without wanting to get too conspiracy theorist about it, it does seem to be heading towards kind of a globalist idea and this move towards gigantism you know that everything's got to be bigger and more removed the center of power's got to move further and further away from um from where it should be you know i'm not saying that 
you know, Britain is not a centralist power. It certainly is. And Westminster is terrible in that respect. But yeah, I was going to say, yeah, you look at the Scotland example, uh, yeah, even in know, Northern Ireland, Wales. I, you know, and, and when I, because I'm, you know, suspicious of the European Union's direction of travel, which is mostly mm. what it is, rather than actually being suspicious of it itself. Um, it, it doesn't mean that I, I necessarily think that British institutions are wonderful and to be admired on the rest and because I absolutely don't hmm. um so like when the when the referendum when the referendum uh, was announced and they started campaigning um we started to see all this ugliness hmm. and and one of the things that I've been noticing in just in general discourse is that it seems to be anybody who isn't for complete open borders and a complete pooling of all sovereignty is, you know, often just... A Nazi. Yeah, a Nazi. <laughs> yeah, a racist, a Nazi, a fascist. Yeah. Or if none of those fit, then just stupid. And yeah. I began... I, to... I, I'm, I'm going to say that I was I was one of them dickheads who believed that and even pushed that narrative. Um Full disclosure to any of the uh, any any listeners. I was I was pretty card carrying guardian in my back pocket type lefty. Um, and I only started really waking up to that fairly fairly recently within the last like couple of years. Um, but especially at the time of the referendum, I did, and I, and I just say it, it, it's funny because people don't actually realize how pernicious that mindset is but 100% can guarantee you that I in the back of my mind thought that anybody who wanted any control on immigration could only be motivated by xenophobia and racism that's sad and that's tragic to admit that but if I can admit that now and I, I like to think I'm a pretty reasonable guy um I've I've since opened my eyes a little bit well a lot I'd like to think and um really really changed my viewpoint and become a bit more nuanced on a lot of things but to think that I am probably the minority because the majority of people who I dealt with back then and still speak to or see see on Facebook their posts, they're still just as in that left wing bubble as 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 I well, more so than I was then. And now to think that a whole subset of and a very large minority of and powerful now, if you think about how they've got the Labour Party in such fucking dire grip, a uh, dire death grip, mm. um, such a powerful minority has such a pathological distortion of the truth, where they think that anyone who is in favour of at least talking about controlling immigration and some of the, and, and the problem is as well, you well any any of these people is a is a Nazi to finish my point before and you never said the term Nazi but you always thought they were racist or they were xenophobic or their eyes weren't open or they didn't see the benefits. The problem with the benefits is they are trumpeted out of proportion compared to the costs, which is something that people you, and I didn't even know that. So you know, there's those figures like. Um, Net migra migration is a net plus for the economy. Yeah. Yeah, you be people bandy them around and they say immigrants are good. Now, if you take a very small substrata of hyper successful immigrants, yeah. But if you talk about, if you look at the data in a bit more of a statistical way, it's almost akin to the, the wage gap myth. You know, yeah. especially in America where a woman earns 83 cents or, or less, I'm not too sure the precise number, to every man's dollar. Mm. Now, in reality, that's a statistical fallacy. And very, very similar things. I've uh, I've highly recommend if anyone hasn't read it, it's called A Strange Death of Europe. Uh, you bought it for me as a Christmas present, actually. So I did, yes. Yeah. Fantastic book. And 
I, 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 I was completely unaware of the fiddling of this information. Mm. Uh, and, 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 and it is crazy because you only look at it as a positive thing. And you think anybody who doesn't look at immigration as the wonderful blessing that it is, it's got to be xenophobic or it's got to be racist. And that's, that's fucking, frankly, terrifying. So I did interrupt you and I do apologise for that, but I just wanted to no, no. put my hands up and testify to me. I was, I was that person and, and, and it is a very real thing um, in people's mind. That, that's a very real mindset that is shared by a lot of people I know and was shared by me for the longest time and I find that... Well, you, you get this, frankly, you've got this problem now, haven't you, is that you get the two extremes screaming at the top of their voice and accusing anybody who dares to dip their toe into the center as being a traitor and and so and trying to mm-hmm. encourage them to abandon them their moderation and go over to the extremes for fear of being called a mm-hmm. traitor which is just yeah. ridiculous in the same degree yeah you know and what you know you you get to a point where you find that Nobody wants to offer, operate the center ground, uh, uh, operate in the center ground, because of the, you know, the the frenzied attacks from the from the extremes. But most people, you know, if they would just sit down and talk, most people are in the center, you know. And it's, you know, that kind of that kind of stuff, particularly from, um, it has to be said, particularly from the hard left. Has done old untold damage to public discourse, really. Um, and and the the thing about the immigration is that I mean I always used to sort of parrot that line myself as well that you know oh immigration is is being has been wonderful for the country and it, uh, immigrants bring wonderful things. Well, it's not an unalloyed good. I mean there are good things. I mean you go up and down Brook, Brook Lane, uh, Brick Lane. And you can have 50, 50 yeah. different types of currency. Well, Douglas Murray makes thing. an amazing point in his book but, where he says the thing is when people go go on about that point of you know they bring across amazing food. Once there's a small Indian community that's been established in the UK, does every subsequent Indian make the tikka masala that much well, better? That's a good point. And another concern: I lived around the Brick Lane area uh, in my more hipster days, so to speak, and there is yeah. a real problem now with. Um, and I know it's not the classiest thing to do, but drinking on the street will get you beaten up in in certain parts really? of that area. Not Brick Lane really? itself, because mm. Brick Lane is a sort of um, a hipster haven, a sort of outpost, an outpost. Yeah, it is, in a, yeah. in the borough of Ta- yeah Tower Hamlets, which I was going to oh, say. Yeah, no, Hamlet, I lived uh, yeah. I lived on Whitechapel High Street, and yeah, you have to be very careful mm. about drinking around there. Um, there's, the pubs are fine, but if you get yeah. caught um, by, you know, if you're drinking at a certain time in a certain place, especially near the, the massive mosque, you will you will get confronted on that. And there's some videos on the internet which are totally legit saying you can't drink here. This is a this is a Sharia zone, and it's like in the middle of fucking East London. Mm-hmm. It's like the, the the blind beggar where yeah. the Cray twins used to drink is two minutes down the fucking road, and you're yeah. saying it's a it's now a Sharia zone, which is you know so. There's, there, that's the negative that nobody ever talks about, uh, and and I never, I never even mm, yeah. ascertained to talk about that. And obviously, this is outside of the EU, and we are diverging a little bit from the point. But you're very right in when you say that it is the the, the hard left, which, but and when you say it's the extremes and the hard left, I hate to say it, but 
I thought I was quite moderate. I don't think it is the hard left anymore, mate. I think it's um I think it's the majority of even centrists. I think even soft Tories have been have swallowed this pill a little bit. Well, that's true. Yeah, I mean that is true because, you know, it's just why people think it's you know, in, in the discussions I've heard, people are just abandoning the the, the Tory and the Labour parties as being you, you can't fit a cigarette paper between the two of them. You know, because, you know, the Conservatives may be for more free market economic policies, um, but on social policies, policies that are almost exactly the same as Labour, you know, and, and the, the whole idea that, you know, that, that cancer of not being able to talk about immigration without being told that you're a, you know, that you're a Nazi bastard, then it's just... You know, it's it's just ridiculous. It's ridiculous in that it's managed to shut down a whole topic of conversation. But of course, it doesn't work because it comes out of the it comes out of the extreme edges, which is which is of course where it will come out. You know, and so you end up with a situation that because nobody's allowed to talk about things in a reasonable manner in 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 moderation, that you find that the only people that are actually telling the truth are the people on the extremes, you know, which is, which is no, you know, there's, there's no progress at all, is it really? No. Oh, definitely not. And that's, that's obviously probably one of the, the primary concerns that I do give credence to in terms of, you know, why, why we might want to leave. Um, but what are the other issues you'd say that really dictate how you think about this so you've had we've had the sovereignty we've had the um obviously the immigration thing which i kind of agree with you and again subtly on sovereignty i'll get to where i think um we should oh no i know i'm i'm sure there's a libertarian uh streak through your viewership at least on youtube so i'm sure that might transfer to this but i mean i think there's certain parts of our sovereignty which i think are worth giving up which i'd like to explore later but have you got any mm. other other and obviously that's going to fucking fly in the face of a lot of the people who potentially may be listening to this. So if so, I do apologise. Please hear me out. I can promise you I'm not uh, as bad as you yeah. assume I am. But um, it's, so we've got the sovereignty issue and we've got the immigration issue. Is there anything else? And of, and obviously the the feeling of just being British and, and you know, just a, an emotional thing. Is there any other reasons that you maybe that might have helped influence you well, more towards just... the leave side? The... Referendum was a very rare event, you know, in that, you know, I mean, I wasn't quite so, I mean, mo like most other people, I thought Remain was going to win, you know, and I thought, mm -hmm. well, you know, and, and I, I was disappointed about that. I mean, I was still in this, I was, you know, I was still in two minds. I mean, I still am in some respects, but because I know that mm -hmm. it's a risk, but mm -hmm. I just felt that the, the fact that we had a referendum referendum on something so important and that it went the way it didn't go the way they expected. And what I thought yeah. from that was that because it didn't go the way they expected, it was a really unusual example of people's vote actually making a difference. Now, that doesn't happen very often. It, it certainly doesn't happen very often in general elections. Um, you know, people 
you know, and, and for, for all sorts of regional reasons. I mean, the Scots are the perfect case, uh, are, are the perfect case in point because they said all through the 80s, you know, we kept voting for Labour and we kept getting Tory. So, uh, you know, I can understand that. And, and it's not surprising people get fed up with voting. I'm not surprised that people stop voting. And, of course, the trouble with a two-party system is that you end up having to, despite politicians saying that, you know, that politics ought to, um, and I quote, attract the brightest and the best. Well, you know, that's that's front bits politicians saying how brilliant they are. But basically, you know, the, the, the reality of it is that most people vote for the least bad option. So you go into the ballot box and you think, Jesus Christ, you know, I mean, oh God, I've got a, I've got a bunch, I've got to vote for this bunch of actually total tossers and wankers or the bunch that are even worse. So you end up, you know, you end up voting for policies that you don't like as well as for ones that you do. And of course, to bring back to the immigration and the, and the social policies, when you've got Labour and, Labour and Tory offering the same social policies, well, you know, there's not, you don't have a choice, do you? And what I thought about the, the result of the referendum was that it was a choice. It was a real definite choice to change the direction of where the country was going. And maybe by extension, the direction that the world is going. And since the... Uh, um, I know I'm not particularly answering your question, but I'm talking about the real politic of this, really, in, in that... It became an opportunity. I didn't really think of it as an opportunity before. And I don't think of it. I'm not one of these people who thinks that, you know, that it isn't going to be a risk and it isn't fraught with difficulties and risks and dangers. But what I, I would hope is that it might force the European Union to think again and think, you know, you know, maybe we are going in the wrong direction or maybe we're going too fast or maybe we need to bring these people with us rather than tell them what's going to happen. You know, um, and and after the referendum, when I started thinking about that, I started to because of how so many of the um, the levers the levers were portrayed. You know, my my thoughts hardened in the in the leave direction because I thought, you know, people, you know, we're having a referendum. It's a plebiscite. You know, it's one person, one vote. And this is the most direct form of democracy that you're ever likely to get. And, you know, there's a decision. And the decision is 51.5% in favour and 48.5% against. Now, that's not an overwhelming majority. You know, I'm not pretending it is, but it is a majority. And it does give an opportunity to perhaps change quite a lot of things about the way this country is run. You know, for, for one of the reasons is that being in the European Union and being in, in this market, we are quite happy for us to continue sucking in endless amounts of, of imports and not really exporting very much. Now, it could be an opportunity for us to rebalance our economy. You know, our... Our, um, there is nothing wrong with our manufacturing center, uh, um, our manufacturing sector, except that it's too small. You know, everybody talks about how brilliant German cars are, well, and they are, sure they are, but 
you know, British cars are pretty good and loads of other stuff that we make is pretty good as well. Um, but because we're not, we haven't been forced into making stuff for ourselves, we've been content to let the Germans do it and everybody else. You know, one of the things that, so there was a school of thought that says the worst thing that ever happened to this country was the discovery of North Sea oil. Because what it did was it said, well, we don't need manufacturing anymore. We've got oil. Yeah, and of course, when Margaret Thatcher came in, I mean, she used North Sea oil revenue, amongst other things, to um, to use it to pay unemployment benefit and tax cuts for the rich, as well as to, to beat the miners up. You know, so, you know, so there is a school of thought that says, you know, that, North Sea oil was the worst thing that ever happened to us. Yeah, know? I mean that's that, that's a it's, it's a good way of looking at it because there's there's another school of thought which is a, in, in another weird way that really links to that humanity's ability to converse and then basically everything that's given us technology, civilization, culture, communication that all came out of a an, an evolutionary pressure. So chimpanzees, mm. yeah, chimpanzees, have you seen, do you know chimpanzees have a um, memory where if you flash 10 numbers, on a, 10 digits on a screen in front of them for 1.4 seconds, they will remember the exact position in order from 1 to 10. Good grief, everybody know that? Because, because the human brain sacrificed a lot of its money, uh, money, memory, yeah. um, so especially short-term working memory because a chimpanzee is in the moment. You're in the trees, you're, yep. you're in the moment for not just pleasure, but obviously hunting, living life, etc., etc. Mm. We had to, as a, for, as, a, as, a, as, a, as a consequence of being forced out of the trees, mm. uh, our ancestors, we, there's a pretty solid theory that suggests because of the fact that we were out in the open, we yeah. didn't have the safety of the trees. We had to learn to communicate to not only survive a lot easier. So obviously, if you're out in the open, there's a lot more risk from predators, especially yeah. savannah type predators. But also things we can't run away from. Yeah, yeah. Because if you're in, if you're a chimp in the trees, you just fly to another tree. Really, you can yeah. just swing around the ropes. You're golden, uh, branch to branch. And you're the fastest fucking thing up there. The problem is because the the, the chimps. Uh, have evolved to become expert, rapid, rapid pace runners in those trees. They can fly through those trees for the simple reason that they've been evolved in there probably for the longest time. Yeah. That's what they're evolved to do. These stupid little legs of ours ain't shit on a cheetah. Yeah. No, exactly. <laughs> I don't think cheetahs were around at the time, but you know what I mean? They're not, they're mm. nothing on a big cat or any of these big predators. So we had to evolve out of an evolutionary pressure, the gift of not just language, but foresight, etc., etc. Yeah. So, mm. It's very, very fundamental to just humanity in general and life in general that a pressure to, to ever have anything positive come out, a pressure needs to come out. A pressure needs to be applied. And since we had a massive pressure come off of us, i.e. we need to balance these books by selling to other countries because we have, we have something very easy to sell that only required the extraction from the ground, which yeah. is mostly an automated process anyway. That become... And I, and I, and I honestly think this is going to be a, the biggest issue apart from maybe islam decapitating itself the biggest issue that the middle east faces is that their yeah. entire economies are virtually all based on oil yeah in another hundred years they'll be back to goat herding yeah i mean because what else they, i mean I, I mean dubai is is maybe an example and some of these other um, emirates that are trying to sort of modernize but in general i mean 
and maybe this is my ignorance here, and if any listeners want to email us in and tell me why I'm wrong, uh, please feel free to do so, because I, I never said to be an idiot. But what the fuck else do they do? I'm just trying, I'm just trying to figure out, though. I mean, really, we're we, we kind of behind on mass-producing the lower-type goods. In terms of the tech stuff, Asia has sort of got that covered. I, yeah. and, and again, this is maybe a, a symptom of my bias, but I only thought we really at the minute our economy was only really set up and obviously we can make changes but only really set up to deal with intellectual property research etc as well as the financial well, I mean, stuff and entertainment sure but wh- sure, where, where, do, a, we, where that, do we go from here and i'm not i know i know you're not uh, an economist and i know you're not mm. all of these things but wh- i mean just off your intuition where would you say is a good place to re- revive this manufacturing sense uh sector because I, I what i find well it's probably not in cars mm, yeah it's probably in very very high technology yeah because it, most it's in, yeah. it's in computer technology it's software mm. you know that kind of stuff um also entertainment but mm. then of course computer games is in both of those sectors isn't yeah. it? it's mm-hmm. in um so, so I, to, to, the, to me these 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 traditional like these aren't traditional manufacturing things and this is something that i think um the eu we're even pushing places in the UK such as Cornwall, and this is another positive, I suppose, mm. uh, places in the UK such as Cornwall, which the economy is basically tourism and clotted mm. cream. And, you know, yeah. if you're um, an intelli- intelligent intelligent 20-something, uh, tourism or clotted cream might not cut the mustard for you, so to speak. Well, that's probably true. So yeah. they were yeah. investing a lot of money into turning that, uh, with the aim of turning places like that into technological hubs, and research places for, and, and places where, you know, it would be good to do technology and a lot of funding and a lot of grants. I don't see any, and the part, partially, I mean, one of the things I did like about the EU is they are quite forward thinking, maybe too much so in some regards, especially when we get on to globalisation. But in general, they seem to be, you know, a bit more forward thinking. I never hear anything from, and I suppose the whole conversation by the British government the last two years and even the British opposition the last two years has been Brexit, but I've still never heard any sort of sense of, you know, investing in future technology. And that doesn't really seem to be the new manufacturing boom that everyone seems to be talking about. Mm. Well, I mean, you're quite right. And, and of course, I know that I'm on, on, I know that I'm on shaky ground here mm-hmm. because you know, the British government is and has always been a very, very short-term bunch. Yeah. You know, they work in five-year cycles, the next general election. I think that's any any, now, any place really, though, isn't it? I mean, well, America's, America's four-year cycles, the same in Germany, like, like you say. It doesn't seem to be quite the, quite the same. Well, I mean, I'm going to say something uh, very controversial here that a lot of you listeners yeah. may disagree with, and I'm not an elitist by any stretch of the imagination. But did you know to be in German government... Oh, I think it's a member of parliament. I'm not sure if it's called an actual parliament in Germany. But, you know, if you are to be the equivalent of an MP in Germany, you have to hold a PhD. I didn't know that. Now, do you think that has anything to do with something? Or is this me being an elitist? Is this me being an elitist? I'm not too sure. But that that sounds like a pretty good qualification because to be... To be... So to get a PhD, you not only have to be clever, you've got to be fucking determined as well. You've got to be willing to spend seven years investing a lot of time and energy. And maybe, and this is again, this is maybe an elitist thing. I I don't come from a wealthy background at all. So I'm sympathetic to the fact that it costs a lot of money to do a PhD. 
Now, that might be self-selecting for richer people, which is obviously a negative thing. But it also selects very highly for dedicated, determined people who can really, really get to the inside a subject and also can really, really, really see something through to the bitter end. And do you think... And it's more long-term. Yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah, instead of... It's not an undergraduate degree or even a college diploma. It's a fucking eight-year adventure. Well, not an adventure. It's an eight-year slog to become doctor. Yeah, but then, uh, the, the, I mean, despite, you know, uh, lauding the achievements of Ger- Germans, um, they do sometimes over-egg the pudding. I mean, I was reading a book by uh, Evan Davis, and it was about it, it was about the British economy. And, and the example he gave in Germany is that um, you, if you were um, a chimney sweep in Germany, yeah, now you... There's however many administrative districts in Germany there, or maybe there's, I don't know, 500 or 1,000 or whatever. But every single one of those has to have an official uh, chimney sweep. Sorry, an official... There's only one. One one head chimney sweep in each district. So you have the monopoly on chimney sweeping there, or...? Yeah, and and, uh, so so I'm told, so he tells me, (laughs) is that if you haven't had your chimney swept in two years, they are allowed to come into your house and sweep your chimney. What, without...? Whether you let them or not. What? Now... But yeah, well, this is, you know, I mean, you know, go and ask Evan Davis because it was the one, he, he was the bloke who, who wrote the book. But <laughs> but apparently it takes 12 years to qualify to be a chimney sweep. Fucking hell. Okay. Now, I so, mean, you know, poor Dick Van Dyke, I don't want to disparage his what, his line of work, but yeah. I mean, what if they send little Victorian schoolboys up there, or not schoolboys actually, probably didn't get any education, but if they send Victorian children up there, what the fuck takes 12 years to learn about that? They, they, well, they weren't yeah. even 12 years old when they were sending the little fuckers up there years ago. Ooh, I don't know what that was. Yeah, yeah, well, there you go. I mean, it's just, I mean, that, I mean, that, that you could point of that, point to that as being sort of, I'm not blaming per se the European Union for that kind of thing, but it is the kind of, and I, like I say, I hate to talk about over regulation as if, you know, you know, because the free marketers in 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 this country talk about regulation is, well, why can't you send five five year olds up chimneys? Yeah. You know, well, the reason is because of regulation, and quite a lot of it comes out of Europe. Mm-hmm. Sure. So, um, you know, I don't want to fall into that, but but there is something. I think it's not because I I blame the European Union itself, is that, but because the European Union tends to be dominated by Germany just because Germany is the strongest member, the, 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 the regulations and the laws tend to follow the German model. Mm-hmm. I'm just guessing here. Mm-hmm. I'm just, I don't yeah, know yeah. this. I don't know. I'm just guessing. And so the Germans will look at their own industry and say, yes, well, this all works very well, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. So we're going to use this. You know, not really taking into to account that, that it favours them. Mm-hmm. You know, it's almost like if, if we want to talk a modern social justice liberal uh, social justice warrior terms it's like german privilege yeah 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 if you yeah. see what i mean you know so it doesn't um, work it doesn't work so well in greece or spain it doesn't work in greece mm-hmm, exactly mm-hmm. you know so um you know and you know i i just think that you know my you know so my to answer the broad question really is that i i don't think that this move towards making everything the same is necessarily a good idea. 
Um, and and I think that the, the, the result is an opportunity to make us better. Yeah. Rather than just allow us to continue to be, you know, just making money out of, you know, you know, derivatives and other unfathomable financial instruments. So just just so that we can buy a brand new Porsche. Hmm. You know, it's um, you know, and uh, I mean, Harold Macmillan, the Conservative Party, the Conservative Party Prime Minister from the uh, from the sixties, even complained about Margaret Thatcher's policies in the eighties, and he it was a very famous phrase. He said, "We sold the family silver to buy a new Porsche." when the old Mini could have been fixed up. Mm. And what he meant was that, you know, that great swathes of our industrial capacity went down the tube because of massive interest rates in the in the, um, in the the 80s um, because of Margaret Thatcher's policies, you know. So, I mean, it, it could be argued that the very strongest companies did survive. But, you know, there was an awful lot of quite serviceable, you know, um, quite serviceable companies that just went to the wall because they couldn't stomach 17% interest rates, you know? Hmm. So, um, and that's the thing. Yeah. So that's, like a, that's, that, that is a definitely a negative of Europe that I can see, especially as you put the sort of a German centric version of Europe, which we, we seem to be in now in that they will dictate certain financial stipulations that won't really work. And for a lot of the member States now to me though, that I see that, is, is, is potential for balancing itself out. And, I mean, this might be a very silly, silly, silly question. Or you free market to you. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, the market does seem to work itself out eventually, even if it's done on a larger scale. But, I mean, a conglomerate of states that are geographically proximal, uh, that cooperate and are pretty much sovereign for the most part, but then overruled by a larger centralised body a federation so to speak sounds a little yeah. bit familiar to those across the pond now yeah i mean in my mind the american model seems to be lauded especially by free markets but we have something very similar where the places like alabama uh texas has its oil so we'll take that out. but you know yeah. alabama iowa kansas nebraska they seem to be the spains and greases of this of this other European Union type monster, this other large conglomerate of states across the pond that share our Western values. And they seem to be buoyed by New York and, you know, the coast, really. New York, New yeah, England. And, 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 yeah, Germany is California yeah. and New York is France. And, I mean, yeah, and, yeah. And, and, you know, there's a lot of intellectual stuff that comes out of all of New England. You know, that's, that's the, especially Massachusetts for one, that's the intellectual centre of it. Now, that to me seems like nobody... When Texas uh, off threatened to secede from the states, where was the uproar? No, there, there, there wasn't. A, sorry, I, I, I phrased that wrong. When Texas talked about secession or whatever they do talk about secession, people think they're fucking crazy. But yeah, but I don't. Yeah. Under, well, te I, Texans don't think they're crazy. Texans think te Texans think they're yeah. all right. But then the rest of the country does, and I suppose that does make a thing. But and, and probably the rest of the world. But I don't really see much of a difference between the eu and the usa apart from the length of time that it's been around for well yeah i mean you make some valid points i, I can't disagree with that you know and um in the example of texas um you know texas is one of those countries one of those states that could go it alone could go it alone um 
and in a in an emotional way as well. And this is where it it is also similar. Is I've I've yet to meet a Texan who said that he was an American first. Yeah, they're Texan first. Yeah. Yeah, they're Texans, and, and uh, you know they're like they're they're like the Yorkshiremen of of, <laughs> of America, really. Mm-hmm. Um, so there is always a pull towards that. Um, and you know Texas is probably the second or third richest state in the union, I would imagine. Mm. Um, with the oil, but this is again, I don't see where their the oil. where their economies replacing that. So this is another. Well, there's a big high tech sector there. Actually. Oh, okay, yeah, you know, yeah, I didn't. Yeah. I didn't the know. general dam- dynamics is is a, is in Fort Worth, hmm. and you know there's a there's a big tech center there. Actually, I mean they're not dummies in Texas by any means. Yeah. You know, but, um, it's funny that you get the um, you get the impression of that through the portrayal of rednecks. Any south, anyone with a southern accent seems to be demonised in a way that people maybe with a Birmingham accent in the UK seem to be demonised. In well, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, I mean, no offence to Brummies, but the accent, because of maybe my southeastern you know upbringing, seems to it seems to be portrayed often as someone who. Uh, who isn't? Who's a bit ignorant? Yeah, 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 yeah. and it's the same yeah. with like I always found it. I spent quite. Well, they've got Peaky Blinders now. That's true. So. Yeah, that's that's probably the. Well, before that, it was Black Sabbath, really, wasn't it? That was their export. Yeah, it was. Black yeah. Sabbath, Aussie, Aussie Osborne, yeah, Peaky Aussie. Blinders, yeah. and I mean maybe there's some notable Frank Skinner. There we go, another 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 famous brummie. Oh yeah, that's true. Yeah, but yeah, but he yeah. kind of toned it down a little bit, I'm sure, after his uh, after his uni days. But I mean, to me, it seems. But there is an emotional difference there between Europe and the United States. And I'm not saying it's necessarily valid, but there is one mm-hmm. in that the United States, by and large, was founded more or less at the same time. You know, it was, it was expanded westward. Yeah. But um, whereas the, the European states are centuries old. Yeah. You know, and within two generations the European Union seems to think that that can all be brushed aside, mm-hmm. you know, and well, you know, it, you know, it can't. I mean, if you, I mean, Belgium has only been around since 1830, mm. uh, I think. And, you know, Belgium doesn't have a, a very strong national identity, you know. It, it, <laughs> all I know is waffles, waffles. And... <laughs> well, yeah, it's, I mean, and it's also split between the, the Flemish and the Walloons. Mm. Um, so, which are almost foreign to each other anyway. So, I mean, the fact that Brussels is is one of the centres of the European Union is no accident, you know, because they, they decide they hunted around for a, a a country that had the the least sort of national sense of itself and went to went to Belgium, you know. So, um, and the reason the other one is Strasbourg, Strasbourg is because it used to be French. It's French and German. It's, it's between, between, yeah, yeah, it's because it's been French and been German and been French and been German, mm-hmm. you know, several times. So. Um, so that was like um, that was in the same reason that Washington DC was was the capital of the United States because it was midway between the North and the South. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Picked you know, a good. So, mm. um, but the, the the idea that you can just you know without wanting to get too over emotional about this, you know the you know England as distinct from the UK, England has been one entity for you know nine hundred and fifty years. Yeah. Now. You know, that's, you know, and trying to, you know, just sort of iron that out and pretend it didn't exist in two generations is is not going to wash. I just think that, I mean, rightly or wrong, I mean, we've discussed this before. I mean, you know, I'm 20 years older than you, mm. you know, and, you know, rightly or wrongly, 
I was inculcated from an early age into believing myself to be British. Now, I, I, I believe myself to be more British than I am English mm. and, and certainly more British than I am European. But would your, would your yeah. dad call himself more English than British or...? Probably not enough. No, because I mean, Scotland, no, Scotland's no, been around no, for a while, and yeah, yeah, since the Braveheart days, really. Yeah. I don't, you're not that old. <laughs> well, that, yeah, cheers, yeah. <laughs> yeah, we don't want to, we don't overdo yeah. this. Really. Um, um, you know, um, and uh, I've lost my train of thought now. What was I talking about? So you're, um, you're, you're more, Brit- so you can't, we have a lot of national history, and America, yeah. even though it's a fa- fairly new country, it's a lot. Older than the well, European Union. Well, America's middle aged now. Yeah. I mean, they make a lot of, they talk a lot of shit about being a new country. I mean, you know, they're older than Belgium, mm. you know, for instance, you know, yeah. and they're older than Germany. Yeah. And they're older than Italy. Wow, well, yeah. You know, mm-hmm. um, but nobody but, seems to, you know, nobody seems to. They're not older than England and France or Spain. Yeah. You know, um, so, um, but the fact is that, you know, it was a single entity when it was, when it began to, it was it was founded in a certain way, and then it expanded, mm-hmm. but it didn't swallow up previous old countries. I mean, if we just ignore the American Indians for for the moment, um, yeah, who you know, if they've got a, if anyone if anyone's got a beef about anything, <laughs> it should be them. But um, it's uh, you know, it didn't come it didn't come to this sort of territory of Oregon that was already a sovereign country and say well you know well you're not anymore mm-hmm. you're, you're you've got to be american now because there was there was no such thing yeah it was you know? just uh, yeah. and mm-hmm. uh, i mean i'm not suggesting that that the way i feel is necessarily completely rational you know i'm i've got rational arguments like the economic one i've, I've mm. suggested and 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 the the other one is the sovereignty one i mean and then there are other things like you know the the immigration one is you know i mean the you know, can we call it the problem immigration mm. without wanting to go too deeply into that? Yeah. It doesn't necessarily come from the European Union. Mm. But once they're in the European... They're anywhere, yeah. Europe, they're in. Once they're in, they're in. Mm. You know, and, you know, we if, we... if we're not part of the European Union, we are able to do something about that, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, the UK now is the, is the most densely populated country in Europe. It used to be Holland. It's not anymore. It's the UK, mm. you know. So there's got to be a limit. Yeah. You know? um, but I, I'm not denying the, the emotional side to it either, you know. And, and just because I, I'm acknowledging the emo- emotional side of it, it doesn't mean that I'm a screaming bloody racist. Yeah. And just because I emotional, like I probably acknowledge being, as you said, significantly younger than you, uh, it's probably that there's an emotional attachment to me to Europe and the wider world as a whole compared to maybe, and especially because I grew up in an increasingly globalised world, uh, especially yeah. and, and technology and the internet has always permeated my life, full disclosure. I'm a web developer by trade, so I spend a lot of the time thinking fairly globally there. There's a global set yeah. of standards that operate online. You know, um, unfortunately, the one thing that fucking winds me up about being a web developer is that I have to spell colour without a U. Like an no, like a yeah, moron, cute, <laughs> like a moron yeah. from across the pond, but uh, things like that, you know. Um, but maybe the, I probably have an emotional attachment to Europe, and maybe I'm more sympathetic to globalization potentially as a consequence of me growing up when I did. And it's something I want to want to touch on really. In that, um, you mentioned at the start of this about 
you're not wanting to go too far into your conspiratorial thoughts, um, but you have to see. You seem to have a real aversion to globalization as a whole, and I want to know where your what what your reasons really for that are, and you know where do you necessarily see a slippery slope emerging, and why? Well, that's a good point. Actually, it's a good point that you put that that uh, little suffix in there, a slippery slope, because um. You know, I can't give you an exact answer, um, only that I am, I suppose I, the best way of saying it is that I'm unnerved by aspects of globalisation, mm-hmm. you know, it, you know, and I, I can't give you a, I can't give you a concrete answer really, because there's just something that I just don't trust about it, mm-hmm. you know, and, and I suppose the, the, the most honest way I can say about it is that if you have a one world government and you have Mother Teresa in charge <laughs> you know you're you're in clover everything's fine. I will I will I will I will just interject there she was actually a terrible human being Oh, okay. So people, right. but this, this is, is a, this is insert insert your hero of choice. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, was, okay. I just wanted to, I just wanted to say that because I, I'm sure you'd, we'd we'd get emails and tweets and all of that saying that uh, pointing to all the. Like, I mean, I remember you mentioned Nelson Mandela in the same breath as some notable uh, people. Oh, exactly. and people, yeah, well, people were very quick to yeah. say, by the way, he was a terrorist and a bit of a prick. Uh, so yeah. I thought it was good to me, to me to say she she was actually a very horrible person who did some very nasty things. It was very actually kind of ironic in a weird way that she was lauded as this sort of patient saint of amazing virtue and grace and and whatnot she uh, well she inflicted a lot of pain on people and seemed to be a bit despotic about the whole thing but anyway i digress this isn't a podcast about slamming mother Teresa. although i would like to do one one day potentially if you're interested <laughs> Oh, okay. Well, well, Not about know, Teresa I mean, in general. I, I, I'm just joking. I probably should have said Nelson Mandela in the first place, then, which was the person I was thinking of. But, oh, well, you can say um, you can say Nelson Mandela, and well, I'm sure everyone's had a. a I'm going to get caught. I'm going to yeah. pulled over the coals for that anyway. Yeah, yeah. But anyway, <laughs> insert you know the most benign, benevolent. Um, what did I say? Tom Hanks, thing, isn't it really? It, yeah, Tom Hanks, no, Jim Stewart. Jim. Yeah, um, anybody that you could think of. Um, then you're then you're fine, mm. but the fact we can't come up with somebody that is is kind of a problem in itself. Mm. But you know, if you suddenly have you you've got a world world government and Joe Stalin's in charge, you know, or Adolf Hitler, or or even even the Orange Man from across the pond, you know, mm. you know, there's nowhere to run. Then is that's there? That's it. Yeah, that's that's game over. You know, I mean, I it seems like a. Slightly childish point. I mean, it's a very real concern. I mean, I, sorry, yeah. you were going to say, but it is, it is like, well, you know, you hand the keys to total power. That's, uh, that is a very real concern. Yeah. And, and of course, the, the, the nature of power. And I think that we don't really, as ordinary mortals, I don't think we necessarily realize what an absolute hard on real power really gives people. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't think we, as normal people, we don't ever realise that. Yeah, I mean, I can't you know, say I've but, ever been in a position of absolute real power. Well, exactly. I mean, it's you know, I mean, you know, there's, there's a school of thought that says that that's that's why you get serial killers mm-hmm. you know, because they just get themselves into a position where they are, you know, completely have the power over somebody else, mm-hmm. whether or not they live or die, you know, and um, you know, you can, you know, it, it, I mean, have you read 1984? I can't remember. If you oh yeah, of course. Yeah. Well, you know that bit where he's talking to O'Brien, the, his torturer, 
and and he says that well you know why he, he was he's asking him why why he presides over such a disgusting and brutal society you know when you know their the life life could be full of pleasures mm-hmm. and he says well the reason is power yeah for power's sake you yeah know, power is is the biggest aphrodisiac there mm-hmm. is you know and nobody ever seizes power with the intention of relinquishing mm-hmm. it you know which is why when the founding fathers of the united states drafted the constitution and the bill of rights they knew that mm-hmm. they knew that deeply that that's what would happen if they didn't put all those checks and balances yeah. in they just knew that that's what happens and you know i think i feel the same thing with the european union i mean the european union you know is and again i don't want to go into sound bites but it is at its heart deeply undemocratic mm-hmm. you know and it's following a path it's following a course which really brooks no argument. You know, on a few occasions, I mean, the, the Irish and the Danish and some others have, um, have the, the Maastricht Treaty, I think, was rejected by the Danes because it was put to a referendum. And I think they had two more referendums until they got the right answer. Wow. You know, and this is the trouble. And then this is the, the thing about Brexit is it does seem to be the only example of a time where real change could happen, mm-hmm. you know. Um, I mean, it might be bad change. I mean, we don't know. You know, we don't know. Nobody knows. Um, and, of course, the thing about um, uh, Remainers is that they can point to something previous, i.e. membership of the European Union, and saying, well, this works. It, it works, and why would you want something better? They haven't got anything to compare it against, mm-hmm. you know. So... So the Remainer argument often sounds more credible than the Leave argument. Mm-hmm. Because when you're saying Leave, what you're saying is we're going to take a risk. Jump into the abyss, yeah, into the unknown. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, you know, it's, it's a step into the unknown. It's not exactly walking off a cliff. Yeah. It's a step into the unknown. You know, that's... I so, mean, from a philosophical um, level, though, you could argue any movement forward is a step into the unknown because we can't predict the future. But... Uh, one of you could, yeah, and 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 in that tone, I mean, earlier I said I was a reluctant remainer. Now, if we take aside all of what I think are the benefits of the EU, I mean, especially uh, oddly enough, I'm pretty free market, uh, and in terms of antitrust and monopolization, they're incredibly good for that. In terms of cracking down in tech companies, they're incredibly good in that. In terms about keeping personal data personal, the GDPR, yeah. Incredibly and good. This stuff is very important to me. Yeah. I, I do appreciate that. Yeah. And and in terms of applying pressure onto the free market where it needs to be applied, i.e. banning of single use plastics, that will have a huge economic benefit for whoever manages to get hemp plastic that's fully biodegradable, cheap as fuck, and also make it mm. good for the environment. These are but but take leaving aside all of these things, in a slightly darker, more macabre way, and more pragmatic, really, my real gut feeling of why I want to stay in the EU is that I'm scared that Western values are are waning and populism has a very, very, very slippery slope and a well-worn path to authoritarianism. Now, yeah, I, I, I agree. I, I'm c- concerned about the same thing myself. So, yeah. so, so, so if, we, if we take that, the sovereign state's power in an increasingly globalised world is waning considerably. Um, so we seem to have these concentrated pockets of 
influence, i.e. the US and the EU, seems to be one. And we've obviously got Canada and New Zealand and, Can- and, and Australia who are sort of on our sides and in a couple of sympathetic East Asian countries, you know, uh, Japan and the like. But it's that versus Russia and China. Now, Russia and China aren't exactly allies per se but they are de facto allies on most things in terms of against the west and one thing they both share in common is a real disdain for liberty and that disdain for liberty is something that frankly terrifies me and so much so that i feel if as the and the problem is when you have a free market a free press and freedom of speech people are free as i said to say things and do things as as they wish now often people operate on on instinct and on emotional instinct more than intellectual rigorous thought so it 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 seems quite at the time so yeah fuck it we'll do it on our own you know and we can do that but i what i my slippery slope that i envision which i never hear anyone else talking about but my slippery slope of leaving the eu is that the strongest bar the USA, strongest or the second strongest, or at least half, really. I'm not too sure what the ter- in, in terms of GDP or economic output or even military force. Obviously, America's got the biggest military, whatnot. But half of NATO um, and, and a very very strong half could affect Brexit. Could start a domino effect, which could then crumble the EU. Now, when we're in that position. It's going to be very easy for, especially thinking about how reluctant Trump White House is to, and, and now, oddly enough, Republicans. We are in topsy-turvy land now. The, the left want Brexit. The, the left want us to remain in Europe and the in the UK, and the right, right want us to leave. And in America, it seems to be the Democrats who fucking care about Russia instead of the Republicans. It's crazy. Yeah. We are living in topsy-turvy yeah. land. But my biggest, biggest concern is that these states like Russia and China... That style of government needs to be needs to be held to account, and they are very expansionist, and especially Russia, almost so. Now, a weak EU equals a stronger Russia. That's that that's, that that just goes without saying. The weaker the EU becomes, the stronger Russia becomes. In my mind, the biggest thing to be fighting against is authoritarianism. In my mind, I love liberty. I love the fact that I can call Theresa May a cunt and I'm not going to get arrested. The Stasi aren't coming for me. I don't. I, I. I. I don't have to worry about these things. And it's an amazing thing to live in a culture like that. Between the theocracy of the Middle East and between China and Asia, uh, China, sorry, and Russia, they, 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 there's not much liberty left in this world, and and their influence is growing. Now, the way I would say to combat the influence of authoritarian regimes is to have liberal regimes, which prove to be a good shining example of what liberal Western democracies should be, which in my mind is probably, although in a pragmatic sense, it's quite slow to get things done. And yeah, there's problems with a two party system. You can't argue with the fact that for being an individual human being, the average individual person has a much more enjoyable, easier and stress-free life if they live in a liberal liberal place. Now, that should be something to be applauded. The problem with authoritarianism is they hate that. They hate the notion of that. So my slippery slope, to bring this tangent in slightly, is that if this strong liberal, and not liberal in the Democrats in America sense, which I always find... Yeah, in a positive yeah, sense. Yeah, yeah. I always find it really funny that the, that the way people 
name their parties. Like the Democrats, like they have a monopoly over democracy. By calling themselves yeah. the Democrats, they're claiming to have a monopoly. But obviously, you know, it's crazy. But either way, I'm digressing. My, my concern is that, especially if you look at the way modern technology is being used in China to track its citizens, that sort of influence yeah. needs to be fought at every corner. And by having a, by having a stronger less inclined to authoritarianism or populism EU. That is one way to combat that. And I ultimately think, and this is me thinking probably beyond both of our lifespans and, 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 and children's lifespans, it will become a point where we have a one world government. I think that's just a, the nature of reality. With the, way, with the increase in technology, the, way, the fact that the world has to become ever more interconnected if we're to feed the 7 billion people in the world, unless there's a major catastrophe, ultimately there's going to have to be some form of global, global control. Now, not necessarily, in my mind, I think a system similar to... I think where the EU and the USA have it right is they have individual states with their own liberty and then, you know, and they, they're free to make quite a lot of laws on their own. But then an overreaching, if, if, in my mind, what I think would be good would be an, a UN that says, with it enshrined in its constitution, you can't do this. You can't have authoritarian regimes. You need democracy and, and a bit more cooperative. Now, maybe I'm being utopian, but I feel not pushing for a sensible, more globalised world just leaves the door open for places like China and Russia who want nothing more than authoritarian dominance and ideally on a global scale. That is my slippery slope and that is sadly probably the number one reason I think the EU should, Britain should at least stay part of the EU and the EU should look to become a bit stronger, not in sense of its decentralised, its centralisation. I think, you know, a bit of decentralisation wouldn't go amiss. But the shared unity and the shared values of having freedom of speech, free markets, free, free exchange of ideas, that, I think, is starting to decrease a lot in, in these societies. And I think it's something we should be proud of and, and wear with a badge of honour. Now, that is, oddly enough, the only reason I would really give that couldn't be in my mind, rebuked by anything else. Do you, do you have... Am I being overly paranoid of these... No, no, no. no. I mean, in fact, in terms of, in terms of uh, arguments to remain, that's one of the best I've heard. Oh, well, thank you. I've never heard anyone else say it as well, but I've just been thinking about this recently. Yeah. You know, no, that is... I mean... Because the, before, we, I think we're going to end up in a Cold War situation, except it's Russia and China. You already see the Middle East now. It's proxy wars and power struggles. And, uh, yeah. you know, Russia and China seem to be backing Assad and Iran. And we, we, we've got Saudi Arabia and some of the other more sympathetic regimes there. It's, it's happening now. And it seems to be a perpetual battle between authoritarianism and liberalism in the classical sense, the classical liberalism. And I feel that any, any weakness to that liberal structure or, that, or, or, or loss of identity of what really the Enlightenment values that gave us all that we value... Is, is 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 terrifying and I think ultimately longer down the road could be open the door for the Orwellian nightmare that that is a truly authoritarian one world government because they'll fucking take it that's the way I see it so at this point in the show we ran into a few technical difficulties uh, one of our audios was being a little bit funny and uh, well 
it wasn't really the smoothest segue between globalism to then what we discussed, which is going to be the integration of Islam in British culture. But while we're here, might as well take this opportunity to thank you for listening so far. If you fancy leaving us a five-star review, it would be very, very helpful to get other people to share it and all the usual things, you know, like, share, comment, subscribe, all of that malarkey. And uh, thanks again. And now we'll get back on with the show. But as I said, it's going to be a bit of a rough segue, hence why I've put this little section in. Cheers. I will say is is, is living, living somewhere with a high Muslim population is third generation people are still like uh, the gym I go to they have uh, you see a lot of women in the sauna in jogging jogging outfits yeah. and, and hats and baseball caps yeah. and head and, and, and headscarves the the the, the, the culture that's coming oh yeah it doesn't look it didn't look ideal yeah 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 I mean I must say I saw that and I thought you poor woman but Either way, oh, this is where the fucking, this is what the, the, where the liberals will go. This is when I first, by the way, realised that this Guardian pill that I've been taking, the, ironically enough, the Guardian is a, a blue, blue covered top. So the, yeah. <laughs> the blue pill, yeah. the blue pill I was taking in the form of my daily and Gar- daily Guardian reader, the fact that they sort of, these people didn't seem to mind about, you know, these blatant, horrible things that happen to women in the name of certain religions um yeah. you know the fact that uh that was probably a wake-up call to me but i know around here where there's third gen the third generations they're, they're not absorbed if you go down brick yeah. lane they're, they're not absorbed they can't yeah. be they're, they're, because they're, they're so insular you hear people and i've spoken to people in like you know and and i'll say oh so you know how long you've been been here and they've been here the whole life but not an english accent so it, it, even when you say it takes a couple of generations to absorb them, you you hear people talk and they don't they they they're not absorbed. So imagine, especially a culture that's so resistant to change and so resistant to Western democracy and Western values. Imagine that culture to say you have to be absorbed, you have to assimilate and be absorbed in the next two years. That seems to be what people have assumed. Uh, this refugee crisis would have been, which is which is the the biggest elephant in the room, and one of the reasons, as I said earlier, that I really, are one of the most things I'm sympathetic about to the Leave side. Yeah, I mean, you know, I mean, I, I've been, I've driven through, you know, I've driven through Bradford, and it, it, you know, they say it's it's the third largest Pakistani city in the world, hmm. you know, and of course that's not a million miles away from you, is it? No, no, so, right, right, right on the doorstep, really. But yeah, yeah, yeah. but um, you know, and it, it's, the thing is that the, the way this discussion gets so polarised. I mean, I was up there once, and I, I just drove through. Can I, can I, can I interject I, I, with a tiny, tiny, um, tiny anecdote, actually? Yeah, go on. I, I go, to a, go to a petrol station near my work for, to feed my Pepsi addiction some days um, yeah. on lunch. And um, <laughs> so there's a, there's, a, there's, there's a geezer in there. Oh, uh, let's call him, let's call him... Well, let's not call him anything. But okay. <laughs> suffice to say, I'm sure he goes to masjid most days. You know, very, yeah. very, very, very devout. But also, you know, a young bloke, probably about my age. You know, late twenties. Mm. And yeah. um, he's he's talked about his pilgrimage to Mecca. He's talked about all of the all of these things, but not in a not in a preachy way. We get on. You know, I, I go yeah. as I said, it's a real Pepsi addiction. So I go in there pretty frequently. Mm. And yeah. um, he we we were in there one day. And uh, as I was leaving, a young lady walked in and um, she was wearing a rather skimpy outfit. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. And, and, and there wasn't much left to the imagination. And she, she, she was 
pretty well proportioned to say this in a uh, politically oh, yeah. correct way, you know. And and I saw the smile on that dude's face out of that there, mm. and it and and that and that made me think like you know is is segregated as those communities seem to be. The next day I come in there and he goes, oh mate, did you did you? Remember that fucking mm. girl who come in yesterday? She was a bit of all right, innit? Yeah, mate, yeah. we should, like, you know, you know. And, and I was like, oh, that was, I know it sounds weird, but a big pair of boobs seems to be done more for social cohesion than, <laughs> than, than the last fucking 50 years of any polit- political policy that I have ever yeah. seen in my life. And maybe that's something well, about that, that says the whole thing. So, boobs are universal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and, but that, 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 that really spoke volumes to me in a really messed up kind of way because I because he was like a young man and he seemed he's a very nice guy we get along uh, but then when he starts talking about pilgrimages and and, and the like and and you know his his mm. it, these things I, I I always get sad about it but then I see little glimmers of hope like that and I think maybe just maybe we we, we aren't complete British and Western culture is pretty fucking good uh, well, mm. the best culture I can think of, maybe that's because I'm centrist. Uh, like, not centrist, I am Western centrist. Well, it is the best. Yeah, it, it means, is the best. It's yeah. better than all the rest. Yeah. We can speak and do what we want uh, within reason, as long as it doesn't hurt anyone and all that. And mm. and, 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 and another, I also hear I, I, the same thing happens in, in those when I'm I, in the sauna at a very sort of Asian y gym that I go to, mm. and there's a few lads in there speaking uh, an Arabic based language. And yeah. then. And they look proper, you know, like old school, you know, like they could be second or third generation, but, you know, probably second generation. Um, but in their, like, middle age, but they look, you know, like they could, and, and they sound, especially when they're talking in these sort of Eastern, like Middle Eastern languages, it yeah. sounds, you know, like pretty thing. And then, and then I heard a break in it, and then I heard one go, so you are getting the whiskey in for later then? And that just made no. me smile. It really yeah, did. Yeah. Well, yeah. Well, I mean, maybe there is some hope for that. that you know. Those two instances where I saw, yeah, people who seem, because I, I sat there in the sauna and I thought, wow, they're just not integrating into our culture at all, you know, uh, and, this, and, and, and it made me sad. But then between my friend from the, from the garage, um, eyes lighting up and frequent comments about this uh, young lady's, well, yeah. I mean, I'm not going to lie. She was very well proportioned, so fair enough. Yeah. And she was sh- she she knew that, and she was showing it. So, but even the fa- the fact that he commented on that, which he which I mean, you you would find very hard when you when he when if he was with his Islamic friends, he would say, "How dare she not be so modest?" You know. Yeah. Well. Yeah. yeah so you hear yes. him comment on that, and you hear them talking about. Yeah, you hear others say talk in an Arabic language in, in a really thick Yorkshire accent. So we're we getting yeah. the whiskey in tonight, then lads. That, yeah. there, maybe yeah. there is, maybe there is hope. That was a divergence, but mean, yeah. but still, these are, as you said, these are generations, multiple generations. That yeah. that, well, that it takes to happen. So obviously, you can't expect the flood that's coming in to to really be. Yeah, I mean, I've always been interested in 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 stories of immigration stuff. I've read quite a, quite a bit about it, and and uh, somewhere along the line, in maybe the eighties or something. There was a kind of a a suggestion that some immigrants weren't assimilating, mm-hmm. and you know, even then, the word assimilation was somehow it was kind of a negative. Yeah, it does. Know, like yeah, you, it was framed. If it was a, a multicultural, you got to ditch, yeah. ditch who you are in order to fit here, 
and it made it sound like as if it as if it was a really intolerant thing. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you 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 know, you've got to assimilate. You know, you can't. You've got to be just like us. You know, and it was. You know, it was couched in these terms of, well, why should we assimilate? You know, how how arrogant of you to think that we should assimilate? But in fact, that's exactly what they should do. Yeah, that's exactly what they should do. I mean, or you know, at least you know, just not not come here with all their cultural baggage and try and make the place look like Pakistan. You yeah. know, it's not Pakistan. There is a Pakistan, and it's next to India. <laughs> yeah. You know, if you want to live in Pakistan, live in Pakistan. You know, but. You know, and it, you know, if you if you keep your religion as a private matter, then it's just a private matter. You know, as far as I'm concerned, religion is just like sexuality. It's a, it's a private matter. Mm-hmm. But when it's you know, you, you know, you, when suddenly you know you you get a situation where the indigenous population, because it could only be slightly different circumstances between. What you experience in that shop, with a slightly less tolerant person, you know, with a three or four of his mates, it might have it might have attacked that girl. Yeah, yeah, that's the, yeah, that's it might the well scary. Have done. Yeah, 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 yeah. Not even in a sexual way, but in a in a you should be more modest or like yeah, you, you know, it's, you know, kind of you know, as as feminists would call slut shaming, you know. I mean, yeah. They, you know, they, they're strangely quiet on such things. Oh, of course, yeah. <laughs> well, I yeah. think that's because they have the two conflicting things. They think that criticism of Islam is a, a, a tantamount to my racism. My enemy's enemy is my friend. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So they think, yeah. yeah, so that I think that's where the feminists... Uh, I think that I think you get a massive amount of cognitive dissonance because I've seen it. I've got a friend, she's a feminist, she's a very nice person, but she's very, very, very feminist. She's got the... Um, got the half shaved head to, to boot oh, yeah. <laughs> but she and dress, dresses like a pin-up girl really nice i really like him we have some good chats but whenever i bring up um when she talks about ladies right uh, women's rights and whatnot as soon as i bring up islam you can tell her brain's just going i know he's right but i can't admit it i know he's right but yeah. i can't admit it i know he's right but i can't admit it and that is because they're just fighting between the two virtues of are you being a racist because they can't separate race from religion? Are you being a racist or uh, or is it being a sexist? You know, and, and at that time they feel that mm. racial based criticism seems to have the most sway in a in a, in a discussion. It seems to be the most taboo. So they're yeah. giving in. They're giving in to that one taboo in faith, even though the whole core identity of a feminist seems to be women's rights. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't really know. I, I don't really understand why they get them as, get themselves in such knots, really, because all they have to do is be fucking consistent. To, <laughs> yeah, they have to be consistent. They have a set of principles that they adhere to, and they stick to them. Hmm. You know, and it's not, oh well, we mustn't be nasty to them, even though they're horrible misogynists. Well, if they're horrible misogynists, you shouldn't. You should be nasty to them hmm. if you're going to be horrible to if you're going to be horrible to a nasty white misogynist or nasty Christian misogynist, mm-hmm. you should be, uh, or nasty secular misogynists, then you should also be horrible to nasty, nasty Muslim misogynists. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it doesn't sound very difficult to me. Sounds to, like the to, easiest thing in the world, but it seems to be a massive problem for him. And I, yeah, and I think it's, it's old, because it? when you play identity politics, so far, race seems to be the um seems it's to be the win- yeah, yeah 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 so any as soon as you call anyone a racist that's it your reputation ruined yeah 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 well i mean 
I thought I had to smile when Anna Subri was complain, complaining about being called a Nazi the other day. Uh, well, uh, I didn't hear about this. Oh, so, yeah, Anna Subri. She's yeah, the, she's she's the Tory Remainer, the cheerleader, yeah. really. Yeah. Yeah, and 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 she, um, you know, she came outside of uh, you know Parliament and she was ha- harassed by a load of leavers, a load of mm. Brexiteers, and 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 they called her a Nazi. And suddenly it was all over the newspapers, you know, we shouldn't be calling people Nazis. Whereas anybody on the right, on the merest, anybody who's not on the extreme far left, basically just gets gets called a Nazi all the time. Yeah. You know, so, you know, but anyway. Probably uh, very, very bizarre, the world we live in. So, I mean, to to, to wrap it up... um, uh, my my thoughts, and this is this is the, the final sticking point I really have for this is 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 the term "will of the people," and this is where I'm going to. It technically it is the will of the people, but yeah. my my it, 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 we had a referendum. It was decided. My biggest issue with that was that it the public weren't as well informed, to say the least, as I like. There was a lot of Big fat stinking porkies, and I mean, I don't even have to bring up. I'm gonna bring up, but you know, you don't even have to say much to look past the, the fucking bus that said 350 million. But mm-hmm. to, to the NHS, but not just that. You know, the we didn't really know what we were getting into, and this is the downside of referendums: is that you know, you to give complete direct democracy to people who, and to have every vote even, which is obviously the point of democracy. But if you you could have spent your whole life researching foreign policy, economic policy, the virtues of, you know, different systems of government and hyper-governments or these, you know, conglomerate governments, i.e. the EU, um, you could have spent your whole time doing that or you could just have gone down the pub and your vote is the exact same to compared on the knowledge. But not just that, mm. the, the, the leave side, all I seem to... I heard that we control immigration while staying access to the free market and giving a lot of money back to our NHS. Now, all of those things have turned out to be not either not feasible or never really sought out on the cards, but this is what the public was sold on. So I feel, in my mind, if I went to a car dealership and they said, okay, mate, well, you, it's only got 5,000 miles on the clock, it's, uh, it's fully automatic, and you know it will. We, we'll give you a refund if anything bad happens to it. And it's it's the best car you'll ever drive. And then I drive it out of the dealership. I look. First thing I see, the morning after I buy the car, is is actually one hundred five thousand miles on the clock, and it's just yeah. done. A, it's just done a. It's just done a rollover, and none of the things inside are working. It turns out to be a manual transmission. And obviously, you're an old car type, but I'm I'm, I'm an automatic guy. Call me new yeah. school. I like all the Macs. I'm a lazy fucker when it comes to driving. But, you know, it comes, turns out to be the transmission I don't want. Uh, and then I take it back to the dealership. Would I be in my right to say this isn't what I purchased? And if so, this is where my will, the, the will of the people line sort of rubs me up the wrong way. And I might be told wrong because it technically is democracy. But is it really democracy when it's so much of it was predicated on like completely untruth. That's an unprovable thing, isn't it? Mm. You know, it's it's difficult to say that. And you know, the thing about the the three hundred and fifty million pounds for the NHS. If anybody believed that and voted on that, you know, on that statement, on the basis of the statement, then they are an idiot. I mean, I I find it 
hard to believe that anybody would vote just on the basis of that. Mm-hmm. Now, a lot, a lot of Remainers think that's the reason. Um, personally, I don't think that's the reason. And but when you're uh, dealing with that, such infinitesimally small margins, do you not think that any smart slight? Because there's a lot of people on the fence. Me and you are pretty. Uh, it's pretty, difficult. Yeah, you difficult. can never. You when can get a close. It you get a close plebiscite. It's close. Mm-hmm. You know, it's close. I mean, you know, I personally wish it would be more. More, Even more overwhelming. Well, this is this is so so like there's a huge aversion amongst leavers for who claim to really want to represent the will of the people. Now, two years down the line, we're more well informed. Why is there such a, a fear of a second referendum? And what what because if if you really want the will of the people, in my mind, having the people more informed two years down the line. Um, and you know, actually having an idea. Yeah, but maybe, what we're maybe to... it's just that the lies have got more sophisticated. How so? Well, because I mean, it's not. It's, you it's know, very I, I I'm not sure that we. I'm not sure that I, I agree with the premise of the of the idea that we are more informed that, than we than we were then. I mean, I personally don't think. Well, if you think about the Irish, I, the, the Irish border issue, that the was Irish a border is the Irish border is. You know, the Irish border is an issue, certainly. And I don't. Yeah, uh, yeah. and and. To be honest, I I don't think that you can blame people for not um, for not understanding the. No, I don't blame people at all. I, I think you can blame. Uh, I can think you can blame uh, David Cameron for not trying to see what might happen mm-hmm. in that obvious situation in in the event of a of a of a leave vote. Well, I think it's just unfathomable to him at the time, which is crazy. Yeah. Well, but you know, he was the prime minister. I mean, if anybody's supposed to fucking know, it should be him. <laughs> yeah, shouldn't it? I know. I, I mean, mean for you'd have fuck's a crack sake, to... man. You know, I mean, it's, I mean, it becomes. I, I remember thinking at the time, this is a total clusterfuck because like, they had the referendum, and they were so sure they were going to win it. No, you didn't. It didn't seem to be that there was a single civil servant that said, uh, "Excuse me, prime minister." Uh, there's an issue here. You know, if we get a leave vote, what's going to happen here? Mm. Now, I mean, I remember my youngest was doing something at school or she was being asked some question in politics or something. And one of the things that I was, she was saying, you know, you know, what are the requirements for a free society or democratic society? And, and I listed all the things I could think of and, you know, uh, you know, um, some form of, uh, representative democracy, um, uh, um, a, a de facto separation of church, church and state, um, uh, a separation between the executive and the legislative branch mm. of government, you know, a free court, you know, a free press and an informed electorate. Yeah. And that was one of the ones that I thought, you know, an informed electorate. Mm-hmm. Now, you know, if you want to say to me, you know, I think people should be more informed. I'd say, yes, absolutely. I would agree with, you know, I would agree that. But the trouble is that, you know, and this is what probably somewhere we're not really going to agree is hmm. that do you, you know, because getting down to the nuts of this, do you allow stupid people to have the vote? Well, I think that's, you know, a, whole because, new, that's, a, that's a whole other conversation for another episode. Because yeah. I think we could talk for two hours about that because I don't yeah. think that was the... It, it was kind of the, the founding principle of democracy, but also not, if you think about the way in Athens it was done. I'm not saying classical Athenian democracy is the only sort of form of democracy that we should have. There was fucking slavery. So it's not, I'm not yeah. saying that, but yeah. it, it, it might be what people had in mind. It might not be. But, um, I mean, 
I don't disparage anyone for voting. I don't think, you know, for the, for, for now you need an IQ test to, to, to vote. I think that's that's very, 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 very slippery slope to a draconian nightmare that we should avoid at all costs because then where do you set the limit? I do understand that. But, I mean, if it really is the will of the people once on a very, very slim margin, surely if that is the primary concern is what the people think now, I, I do think, I mean, you might say the lies have become more sophisticated, but they're very real and tangible things we've noticed, like, such as the, the pounds dropping, you know, to 10 to 15 percent. I uh, like you notice you might not notice that on a day to day basis. Yeah, but pe people did. They, they did say that mm -hmm. would happen at the time. They said it would happen. Yeah, but the thing is, all the things that the Remain side said would happen. Most of them kind of are. They're not all of them. But, you know, a lot of Project Fear, as it was dubbed, seems to be coming true. A lot of the things that the Leave side said would happen hasn't materialised. In fact, I can't think of a single discernible positive that the Leave gave that we, 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 we even can think is feasible. Because well, the economy went up after the vote. Mm. The economy, economy improved. You know, unemployment went down. You know, I mean, there was, I'm not saying these things are long-lasting. Yeah, of course. You know, it, it's, you know, it's not... But can you say the economy went up if we're all 10 to 15% poorer with a weaker pound, especially being on such an import-driven country? That's my concern about well, that's any a good point. economic yeah, argument. Sure, sure, that's a good point, yeah. yeah and I'll concede that. But, um, you know, it's... Uh, Statistics are a funny know, there, one, there though. Was, you can bend yeah, them yeah, there are certain want. ways of measuring this, yeah. certainly. But um, um, but the, the trouble, you know, the, the trouble with an, with a second referendum is what do you happen... What happens if you get the vote goes the other way to the same amount? Do you say, well, we're back to square one, so we're going to stay in? You know... Or you know because yeah. you, you, it's a, it's a, you know you think you know you think the um the first referendum was divisive, I mean fuck me what's going to happen if you yeah. get another one, yeah. you know it's, I mean I mean I'm kind of arguing against my own point because I think we ought to have referendums for almost everything really but yeah I do I really do and I think what you should have is you propose a policy, you know you have three months discussing it and everyone has a vote. Mm. And they have, they have referendums in Ireland and Switzerland every five minutes. Uh, yeah. You know, the sky hasn't fallen in, you know, and, and I, I do think that, I mean, in fact, in lots of ways, Switzerland is a model country to follow, actually, if you sort of study it a bit. It's really, it's really good, actually, I think. Um, but um, you could say the Swiss are more intelligent than us, you know, maybe they are, you know, because they're closer to Germans, maybe. <laughs> but I, Good I don't solid know. German it's... stock, just like Hitler was talking about. Well, yeah, this is trouble, isn't it? You know, it's like, I mean, God, we're going on a slippery um, slope to eugenics now, fuck me. Well, you know, this is the thing, you know, in, in, you know, in the 30s, you know, Germany was one of the most progressive countries in the world, mm. you know, um, and and look what happened, you know, I mean, we're, we could both argue that result from the same place, couldn't we? Yeah. You know, it's, it, it's it's difficult, but um, it, it's you know because what happens if you get a referendum and it's it's fifty one point eight one way and whatever exact mm -hmm. you know if it was the exact mirror image okay so uh, that's unlikely obviously but what if it's Close just up, in yeah. favour of Remain mm. by even a slimmer margin yeah that's that's when you what do you do it. then you know mm. and what if it's you know because then it's oh it's fucking best of three isn't it. <laughs> so we've got to have another one, you know, and then they'll be saying, "Well, they were lying about that, you know." So we better have another mm. one. You know, I mean, it's just—I mean, I don't know. And it, you know, and the Northern Ireland issue is, yeah, you know, yeah. I mean, it's a massive clusterfuck, you know, because what do we do? Because they need the freedom. People, they need the freedom in, of movement in, between those two well, places. Yeah, I mean, personally, what I think we should do, and it's not 
Personally, what I think we should do is that we should we should leave with no deal and we don't put a border up. Mm. If they want to put a border up, they can put a border up. You really think you know, we, that's, we, we, that's a real plunge into the abyss, a complete no deal? <clears throat> that's well, the only I, way around it, really, to have well, a Brexit. Well, yeah, I do, because, because up, I yeah. think that, you know, I mean, certainly the deal that's being proposed is, I mean, I would prefer to remain than have this deal, mm. you know, but, but you know, it's a tactic. It's, a, it, you know, they're trying to corner us into, you know, and people have already started suggesting, oh, that we have another referendum and the, the, the referendum is between May's deal and, and stay in. Mm, whoa, you know, what? I mean, that, that's, that's, yeah, I mean, you should put a no deal, you should put a no deal Brexit on, on the Some people cost. don't think that. Some people don't think, you know, because, you know, probably just because they're Remainers, I suppose. But, mm. you know, it's... I mean, if you really cared about them, yeah. I, 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 I want to remain reluctantly, but still I do want, I would, I would love to see this country remain. Um, but I would... I do want, have a hope about what might happen. Pardon? I do have a hope about what might happen. Oh, please, I'm, 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 I'm all ears. And what, I'm, what I hope is that we leave without a deal mm-hmm. and it destabilises the European... Italy might start making some noises about oh, leaving. Oh, yeah. Yeah, they'll, they'll be the first, yeah. yeah. And then Italy's a founder member, remember? Mm-hmm. You know, and the European Union might think, Jesus, this is serious. Mm-hmm. You know, this is fucking serious. We've always, already lost the Brits. Now we're going to lose the Italians, you know, and they might then say, look, what do you, you want? Know, maybe we went too far. Mm-hmm. Maybe we went too fast. Maybe what we should do is just back off, back off a bit, abandon ever closer union. You can have that as a, as a slogan if you want, you know, but, but really we ought to abandon it mm-hmm. and we ought to say, look, we'll harmonize everything so that it was just a, a market. But in all other things, and, you know, we'll allow people to have a restriction of movement and stuff like that. And, you know, we'll keep the Italians in. And then after a, a, re- a reasonable period of time, we'll make, we'll make overtures to the British or we'll say, look, would you like to come back in? We've changed these rules, you know. And, you know, they could make a political decision, mm-hmm. you know, rather than have the whole house of cards fall, mm-hmm. that they would... You know, it would be, you know, they'd be inviting us in. Yeah. What happened before is that we applied. They said, fuck off. We applied. They said, fuck off. <laughs> and then we applied the third time. And they said, well, you can only come in if you do this, this and this. And you, you abandon the Australians and the New Zealanders and the Canadians. and Commonwealth's the gone. The Commonwealth. Yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, you know, there's certain things that just aren't fair. I mean, I'm, I don't want to bang on about unfairness. But, you know, I mean, as far as I'm... Not quite sure of my ground, but I don't think the Falkland Islands are in the European Union. Hmm. But Guyana, French Guyana, in South America, is considered the Department of France, and hmm. it's therefore in the European Union. Wow. You know, so there's just... I mean, the French haven't had to give up their... Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, they seem to be the only one that really has these... Uh, outposts as far reaching as well. You know, else. France had an empire. You know, it was you know it's quite a big empire as well. You know, mm-hmm. so. Um, but they, but they, they're the only ones who seem to have kept on to most of the well, not most of most yeah, of I mean, that. In, in France, in 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 Africa, there's a there's a, a currency called the CFA, um, which is uh, I can't remember exactly what it sounds stands for, but it's a, it's an African franc, mm. which is, it's, I mean, I guess it's kind of linked now to the euro, I suppose, but it's a 
it, but all the French colonies in Africa all use it, mm. you know, it's a, and it's a hangover from those days, you know. Um, but, uh, you know, so they've kept their links with their former colonies, but we had to sever all our links, mm. you know, yeah, we had to say, you know, because what we had, you know, what you, what, the reason the British Empire, one of the reasons the British Empire was successful was because, you know, had a military system to keep it all in check. Mm-hmm. But within the empire itself, it was a free trade area, you know, um, and you had this thing called imp- imperial preference. And of course, as Britain was the manufacturing centre, you know, most men, you know, most industrial of all the countries, you know, we got preferential treatment. So, you know, the Kenyans and the Tanzanians and, and you know, the, the Jamaicans had to buy all our stuff, hmm. you know, that was part of the deal, you know, um, and, you know, and that, that was a hang, that ha- became a hangover into the Commonwealth day, you know, uh, post-war. And that was, you know, as far as I understand it, that was a, a no-no for an entry into the European Union, you know, and, uh, so that's why we got refused twice. But only a disqualification for us and not seemingly for the other colonial powers. Yeah. Well, especially because, you know, the French were in there first, mm. you know, so they, they didn't have to. Grandfa- grandfathered in. Yeah, exactly, mm. you know, so... You know, yeah, so I mean, that's, that, that is probably more optimistic than and, and, and a more ideal solution than some of the things that I... Yeah. Some of the ideal solutions that I envisaged in my mm. head. And oddly enough, and I know it's not going to be popular, but I hoped that... I still kind of do, although after hearing that, I think with the problem with... It's a hope. I mean, it's just a hope. I just think it's going to take five years. Everyone's got to get used to the idea, you know, and and there's going to be a lot of sort of national bruised egos and, Mm -hmm. you know, all that kind of stuff. Sometimes a bruised ego is good. If you ever notice when you're in a relationship, a big fucking argument really helps sometimes and clears the air. Call each other twats. You know, <laughs> tell her yeah. she she tells you you got a small willy. You tell her she got saggy boobs, and and then you, yeah. and then you and then you have an argument, and then you fucking go. You know what? I feel better after that. Yeah. Well, yeah <laughs> so maybe you know, maybe I mean, it's it, good. But the the problem yeah. the, the, what I'm scared of is 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 that that is a very I think that's a small hope. I I think humanity, especially modern humanities. Um, we we tend to revolution a bit too quickly. Well, so yeah, so yeah. so if the Italians if the Italians go, I mean, I I don't know how ready the EU would be and responsive they would be to the demands straight away. I think they'd still. Well, it'd have to own, come from them, yeah. wouldn't it? And I think they drag their yeah. heels a little bit. And as soon as they start seeing any more heel dragging, that just further further inflames tensions. And then you chuck other countries in there as well. Greece will want to default on the debts. And there's maybe, in my mind, there's like a small sliver of hope that would happen. But if it went the other way, it could be disastrous, especially as I was talking about the the influence from the East coming yeah. in, you know, especially if you think about the a lot of places, you know, the former Soviet bloc countries, they... They don't. They're not massive fans of the EU. A hell of a lot of them. Some of them are, but a lot of them aren't. And well, they cherry pick, don't they? Yeah, they, you know, they, they, they cherry pick. Well, yeah, I in mean, Poland, you know, in they're, Poland, they're, they're really, really, really flouting a lot of these um, labour laws. They're flouting a lot of the things, and they're just taking the benefits. Oh yeah, I mean, you know, I mean, you know, finding a black face in Poland is probably, you know, almost impossible. There's about seventeen immigrants in the whole of Poland, yeah. as I understand it. Wow. You know, uh, you know, so they still have a very, very homogenous society, and they. They're not, you know, they're not giving way to all this. You've got to take 
however many thousand immigrants. So, but yes, yeah, so, so they don't give away to that. But now, if 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 they decided to do a Pexit, so to speak, for lack of a better, yeah. lack of a better, po, po, pole exit, pole exit, yeah, yeah, yeah. that sounds too much like an exit poll, which always gives you false hope on election night. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. so if they were to do a Pexit. I mean, I don't know if they'd be that silly, but how... And, and I'm only saying silly because their neighbours to the east would love a slice of that pie, and I think Putin's the kind of person who would who would start to overstep that. That's that's the only point where I'd yeah. be... Scared. I mean, it's funny. It's, uh, uh, Russia, I find, is a, a bit... Un, I, I'm not really... I don't really understand. I mean, why, why they should be so expansionist. I mean, mm. they, they've got the fucking biggest country in the world by a country mile. You know, why would they be, you know, why would they want to expand any further? In my uh, mind, in my mind, I think it is to, when you have, it, I don't think it's expansion for the territory or the land or the economic benefits. I honestly think it's to prop up, yeah, to, to prop up as well a national sense of pride and to bring, build that empire back because I don't think they'll ever be able to compete with us on an economic level or uh, all those kind of things. So the Russian model seems to be, in my mind, um, fuck up things of the West. So the biggest cyber attackers in the world seem to be China and Russia. Now, yeah. China seem to yeah. take the intellectual property we have, build their own versions, and they can subvert the economy that way, and they're doing a bloody good job at it. So fair play to them. They're making some good stuff as well. So, I mean, I, I, I give them that, and they're actually contributing. Russia, conversely, seem that their, their model seems to be disparage everything about the West to make Russia look better in comparison. If the and, and Russia's always leaned to authoritarianism. A lot of it really is a function yeah. of its geography. So Moscow has no natural land barriers. So even as back as the early days of the Russian Empire, they needed to to stop uh, you know, a some a St. Peter's Bexit. <laughs> they needed to. Uh, yeah. They yeah. needed to have a very, very strong authoritarian military presence, and and that's always going to be a hangover of Russia. Now, if you're going to maintain, especially considering feeding this Russian Empire back in the early days, a lot of the outskirts of Russia, or even the other parts, they were strategic military hotspots that they had to control, but they couldn't support themselves via food. All food and all resources and human labour and even soldiers, they all had to be imported there and they were put there as a, as a function of structure. The To keep a country that has no logical sense of being together, um, considering a lot of these cities don't have the means to support themselves, they can't produce anything... Uh, Russia's far behind on the intellectual property. So to keep that going, they need to grease the gears of public opinion further towards fear mm. of the other, um, which they seem to be doing by demonising homosexuals and, and whatnot in a, in a very big yeah. way. Fear of the other and and a constant expansionist militaristic pride in themselves to, to carry on keeping a country that has no need to be together as one giant union and a lot of these state a lot of the cities and states in Russia I don't know if Russia has states so correct me if I'm wrong but a lot of the parts of Russia don't as cities themselves have no purpose apart from as a being a relic of a time when they needed it for military defense of Moscow mm, so, well you may be right I mean so I, that's why I, I see them as being a military but but I still that, that's a problem that's a massive I mean they do you know they they do exercise their soft power so to speak, um, you know, quite well. I mean, Russia Today, for instance, you know, Russia Today is is that, you know, it's basically an organ of, of the Kremlin. Mm -hmm. um, you're going to have some... They do make, you know, and, and they make, you know, one of the things I've noticed is they make endless program, uh, reports and programs about how, how, 
how the UK is a complete surveillance state. Mm -hmm. You know, and you know, ironic not how things should have been. You know, it was Russia that was the Mm -hmm. that was the totalitarian empire, not the UK. And and but they've managed to sort of turn that narrative on. Well, they've managed to hold a mirror up to us Mm -hmm. and say, look, it's your country that's uh, it's your country that's the uh, you know the the totalitarian surveillance state, not ours. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's you know it's like you say it's a world gone topsy turvy really. Yeah, I mean, so yeah, I mean that's suppose that's um, that is why I think they're expansionist in, in nature anyway. But yeah, that yeah. probably whew, on that terrifying notion. <laughs> yeah. If there. Yeah, I'm not sure that we've sold anything really, but no. Know, well, this is this is this is the this is the thing. I'd if they offered a second referendum or if they offered a referendum of whether there should be a second referendum or whether if I was an MP, even a Labour MP in Stoke-on-Trent, I would, and this is to counteract your video, I would probably go for, I'd I'd probably want that. Um, But even though, and and obviously people's minds are hard to change, but the fact that you even mentioned, I didn't even, this is the thing, this is why conversations like this are so important and I think it's something that's often neglected. The fact that you mentioned what would, the result, if the result was the same, but the other way, what would we do then? Is it one all? Do we need to go? Yeah. Are we playing away goals? Do we need to go into extra time or a penalty fucking yeah. shootout? Like, yeah. like that, that these things never really get brought up in normal discourse. So, um, especially the way it's going now. So yeah, although we've not solved anything, I'm I'm probably way more sympathetic to the side, even though if I had to, I would still go remain, and maybe that's a that's a hang up of my. Attachment to yeah, the but, idea. I mean, it's not. I mean, it's not my. It's not what. It's not really my intention to change your mind. And vice you know, versa, it wasn't my intention to change your it, mind. It was just to understand your it, mind. It's more, yeah. In, in in anything, you know, it's all. It's more in a way to sort of, you know, talk about these things, in order to sort of sort my own feelings about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, a bit more too. solidly, mm-hmm. really. You know. Um, and you certainly given me enough to think about today. So yeah, well, that's... maybe we can uh, revisit this another time yeah. um, and see, because obviously this is going to be an ongoing saga. saga. As um, yeah. March 2019 is very, very close upon us, I will be celebrating yeah. my 30th birthday, potentially not as a European. Well, most likely in, in, in a, in, as a no-deal European. Mm. So we'll we'll see how that pans out, and I'm sure it'd be an interesting one to come back to later and uh, if yeah. I change my opinion yeah. on it anymore. But yeah. Lovely. Oh, yeah. Well, well that's solved. We're not going to run out of things to talk about, are we? That's for sure. No, no, no. Well, that yeah, that solved nothing, but that was not the point. It it solved everything for me. I got a greater understanding. Yeah. So that was a very valuable conversation. Thank you. Yeah. Well, you, you, likewise, man. Yeah. Likewise. Yeah. Um, oh yeah. You know, and the, uh, uh, I suppose this is the point where I get all of the uh, the necessary plugs in. Thank you very much for listening. Uh, be sure to check us out on Facebook, Twitter. Go to citizenx.tv and YouTube, which you may have found this from initially. And thank you very much, and have a fantastic day, evening, afternoon, morning, good night. That was a Bruce Forsyth sitting off there, but <laughs> take care, listeners. Thank you.